You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. Goodness, it doesn't even feel like I should really uh, get up here and teach it all tonight. Um, You guys have pretty much already heard a sermon, uh, so amen, let's go home. Um, But with that, I am going to make this short and sweet tonight. Um, So if you're usually someone who wanders, um, stick with me because it's gonna be kind of fast and quick at you tonight. Um, So let's let's dive in together. Uh, One thing that I think we can all agree on as 18 to 25, 24-year-olds is that we kind of have like a commitment issue um, some of the ladies are like, heck yeah, we got some commitment issues, fellas. Like, let's go, like, set the game up. Ask me on a date, stick with it. And, but I mean, even think about it this way too, of like, like saying yes to something like kind of carries a lot of weight. Like, I, I, you ever, ever had like the weekend plans thing where it's like, someone's like, hey, hey, like you wanna go do this with me this weekend? Instead of saying yes, you're kind of like, maybe, because in the back of your mind, you're going, I may get a better offer tomorrow. Like, and so we, we don't like to have like this big yes because our yes can almost seem restrictive or our yes can kind of like box us in to a certain degree. Because if I say yes, well, then I'm like committed and then I like have to go and then like I actually have to like buy her flowers and treat her right, which what you should be doing, guys, all right? Um, so this whole idea of like giving this yes away, um, as college students, man, we, we don't like commitment. We don't like feeling boxed in. And if I'm being honest, is that when I investigate what it looks like to follow Jesus in today's world, we're, we're in our first week of this modern disciple series, um, that so often, man, following Jesus in today's world can feel restrictive. That my yes to Jesus could, could maybe keep me from something else. And, and could I even say in church, like that sometimes something that could feel better like we, we talked about in our dating series, like, like getting to, to do whatever I want in a dating relationship without any type of God's standards. Like, like that, that, is that, could that be better? Or, or living a life and, and to make sure I make as much money as possible or have the best job in the world. Could God's yes actually be better? And so that's one question. And the other one I would maybe pose is that for those of you that are following Jesus, that are walking with him, it's like, man, it can be kind of complicated sometimes. It's like, I don't know how to like follow Jesus. How, how do I do that in this 21st century world? Like, like he ain't here. I can't be like the disciples and just be like walking on his coattail. Like, what do you mean follow Jesus? The homie ain't here. So like, how, how do you want me to do that, Cole? And it can seem so complicated. There'll be people who are like, well, read your Bible and pray in the morning, have a quiet time, even though sometimes it can be a loud time because you're like talking back at God. Uh, or, or maybe you need to like fast and pray. You need to be at church three days a week. Like it can seem like there's these formulas and these systems of how in the world do I follow Jesus? And it's complicated. And, and so my hope tonight for those two questions is to nail in on one thing and is to make our faith as simple as possible because we gather on Monday nights so that your Tuesday morning will look different. And so we're gonna be diving into this central point of making your faith as simple as possible. If you're stick with me for the next 10 minutes, we'll get there, okay? So we're gonna be in Isaiah chapter six tonight. If you've got your Bibles, uh, and I hope you do, we'll be in Isaiah chapter six. It's about halfway um, between the whole sucker. And uh, we'll be in Isaiah chapter six. We're only gonna be reading eight verses. um, And if not, the verses will be up on the screen. 
And truly, we're gonna be looking at one of my favorite passages in all of the scripture because we're gonna be talking about an experience that all of us can have to a certain degree. So if you've got your Bibles, um, we're gonna be in Isaiah 6 and I'll start reading at verse one. Hey friends, this is God's word for you tonight. Isaiah chapter six says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, these are kind of like angelic creatures, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse five, Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So uh, you're probably asking, Cole, that was a bunch of stuff that sounds kind of crazy and has never been my life experience. How is this supposed to help me simplify my relationship with Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Next eight minutes, here you go. Is that we see here in verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Is that Isaiah gets a glimpse, he gets a vision of God's greatness. We see in verse one and in verse five, that he says that my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, that there's been this, this vision that has captured Isaiah's attention. It's captured his heart. And it's, it's this overwhelming, all surpassing vision of the greatness of God. I think this is, if you're a note taker, the first part of this simplicity of following Jesus is that you get a vision, an all surpassing glimpse of the greatness of of God, and I could talk about this for a long time, but I'm not going to, is that first, like that has to be personal. Like if you notice, he says that I saw the Lord, that my eyes had seen, like, like not that your parents saw the Lord, not that your boyfriend or your girlfriend sees the Lord, not that your roommate saw the Lord, not that your little brother saw the Lord, no, but you saw the Lord. And so then I would ask the question tonight, is like, are you captivated by a, all surpassing vision of the greatness of God for you. Then we talk about that Christianity, that following Jesus is always personal, but it's never private. Always personal and never private. And, and, and this whole idea of this greatness of God, did you notice that we've got these, these crazy angelic creatures, the, the seraphim, and they're covered with wings and they're literally flying around God saying the same thing over and over again at each other, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the other one's like, yo, 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 watch this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're doing it again. And it's like, holy, holy, holy. And if you're anything like me, 
you know, you got like your Spotify habits. Like I'm the guy who like has the same four songs on the top and then just repeat them over and over again. And I get tired of it. You know, it's like that. And then you like, I ruin a song. Well, these seraphim are like, they ain't tired of it. Like they haven't burned it out on Spotify. Holy, holy, holy. And they're seeing this all surpassing vision of God. And so I would ask like, is your view of God anything close to that? That God is so magnificent and holy and perfect that you would just be able to cry out to him, holy, holy God, you are so much different than I am. The actual word holy means set apart. God, you are not like me. I'm, I'm not like you. I mean, this is Isaiah's experience. And, and then if you notice, if we, we keep moving in verse five, after he has this vision, he says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. That in the same way that if you have a dirty windshield and the light gets shined on it and all of a sudden you can't see, that when Isaiah gets before a holy God, he realizes, oh man, if this is what God is like, then I'm done. Like if God is this perfect and this holy, like, like I, I, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm done on this. Like, like I am a man of unclean lips. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Like, like I'm out on this. Like I, I can't make it. Like I, I'm, I'm dead, done, through. And God is so perfect and so incredible. It's not just like, oh, wow, God's really great. But it was like, whoa, like I am a man of unclean lips. God is perfect and holy. And then you would imagine that as this is happening, he, he says this, and then in verse six, then one of the seraphim, the winged guys, flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And Isaiah's probably like, yep, like it's over, I'm done. And like, here's how it's gonna go. Like this dude's flying at me with a hot coal. And then in verse seven, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Hear me, friends, these are eternity altering words. This wasn't just thousands of years ago to our friend Isaiah. This is for, for us today that your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And don't you see it? That this is a picture of Jesus Christ. That this is a picture of his cross and his resurrection that is to come, that God is declaring over your life. Your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is is taken away. And so I think the second part of this is that we need to have an experience of God's grace, that we have a, a vision of God's greatness, and then we have an experience of God's grace, that his guilt is gone, atoned for, taken away. And so for those of us who are following Jesus in today's world, then I'd ask you the question, are you still wearing your guilt around? I mean, are you still wearing that sin around that God has said it has been claimed and done away with? Like that pornography addiction, those, these uh, sexual immorality in a relationship, man, the eating disorder, the, the, the distrust in the relationship, the, the lying and cheating in school, that God said it's no longer held against you. 
and you're trying to talk yourself or talk to God about, man, maybe God, could I, God, could you maybe think about forgiving me? But the reality is, is the only person holding it over your head is you. That the cross and his resurrection says it's paid for and it's done. That Isaiah is getting a picture of Jesus in verse seven when he says, it touched my mouth and see that your lip, or touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and that your sin is atoned for. Modern disciples, people following Jesus today, man, they have a vision of God's greatness. And then they have an experience of God's grace. Would you say that's something that describes your day in a day life? A vision of God's greatness and experience of his grace. And then closing in verse eight, he says this, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And the third piece of this is that there is an availability to God's call. It starts with a vision of God's greatness. Then there is an experience of God's grace. And then there is an availability to God's call. Do you, do you see the flow there? And then Isaiah in this moment, he, he's standing before God and, God and God is triune. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you see it in there, there in the text when it says, um, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are together saying, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And if there's anything that I know about college students and know about myself is that we love details and we love plans. Like we love to have our five-year plan. How many of your parents have asked you what you're gonna do when you graduate? Like how many people have asked you, like, like what you're gonna do in 10 years, like who you're gonna be married to, how many kids you're gonna have. You probably, ladies, you probably have like a note in your phone of like what their names are already. Like it's already like mapped out and planned. Like we got the five-year plan. And so often with God, like we're trying to figure out God's will and it's so hard and so confusing. And it's like, oh, this is gonna be helpful for me today, today also. But like, we're trying to figure it all out. And all Isaiah is like, yo, here am I, send me. And if I could simplify it all down, which I promised you I was gonna do, is that when he says, here am I, send me, what he's saying is yes. Like God, like, like, like yes to you. Like yes to what you wanna do with my life. Um, I, I don't have like a five-year plan. I don't have the details. I don't have a job description. Like I haven't had an internship quite yet for this, but like God, like yes. And so what modern disciples do, people who are following Jesus in the 21st century, I don't know what God wants to do with your life. I don't have a five-year plan and I don't have a job title for you today. But what I do know what God is inviting you into is to simply say yes. So my, my, my ploy, my, my, I, I'm imploring you tonight is, man, give Jesus your yes. Commit to saying yes to Jesus. I'm not saying you need to say yes to 10 years from now, but like when you wake up tomorrow morning, what would it look like for you to be like, God, I have no idea what I'm about to do today, but I'm giving you my yes and I'm in. Because people who are following Jesus, people who are making difference in the world are saying yes to Jesus. Last story, and I'll say it really, really quick, is uh, 
can you throw out the, the picture of the stars in the bedroom? Um, so have you guys ever seen, and, and you know, people have these like cool, like, like stars. Oh, wow, I have stars above my bed. This is so cool. Um, and it's like this, oh, that's like, that looks, that looks kind of cool, right? That's neat. And it's like, okay, like that, that's nice, like stars. Um, but at my senior year of college, I got to go to Lady Elliot Island, which is an island off the coast of Australia. And I got to stand um, underneath the Milky Way galaxy with zero light pollution. Can we show the photo, please? Hey, and then there should be one more. Do you, do you see the difference? Is so many of us, our vision of God is stars on a roof that we put up to make us feel alive and to make us feel like we've got something cool. And lots of times we have people who talk about God that way, like, our God is an awesome God, he raised, isn't God so cool? Like, let's go read the Bible. Isn't this gonna be fun? I love Christianity. <laughs> Do you like the fish sticker I got on my t-shirt? Like, this is awesome. Versus standing underneath the Milky Way galaxy. Oh my gosh. Can you see these colors? This is incredible. This vision. And in the same way, I want for you guys to get a glimpse of God in that way. In order that you would experience his grace. In order that you would say yes. So get out of your bedroom and start looking up at the stars. Because the yes to Jesus is worth it. Father, I thank you that, um, man, that you gave that vision to Isaiah and that he got to see you for who you were. And God, I pray ultimately that my friends here tonight would give their yes to Jesus and that their vision of you would be all surpassing, that their experience with you would be so grace-filled and God, that they would be compelled to go. And so Lord, we just continue to say that this is all about Jesus and this is all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.